Hey, this is Paul Durbin. I'm the pastor of Belay Church in Boulder, Colorado, and this is our podcast. I pray today's content equips you to reach higher heights and help others do the same. Thanks so much for joining us today. What does it mean to have Jesus as my defender? And what can we learn about that in Acts chapter 24? We're going to look at that today, but let's first look at something Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, remember, these words were were written by a man who used to be called Saul, a name that shared the same spelling as the word for death. So rather than continue in that rather ominous identity, Paul became known as Paul, or Saul became known as Paul, a word that means small. But that's fine with the born-again Paul, because when Jesus came into his life, Paul wanted Jesus in him to be big and for himself to be small. We're in a series of talks called Jesus in Me. And in our last talk, we saw Paul brought before a jury of his peers. And just as his peers wanted Jesus dead, they now want Paul dead because somehow it seems this Jesus is still alive. But now he's inside of Paul. Now, Paul created such a stir during that hearing, the Romans decided to remove Paul from that court and transferred him to Caesarea, a city about 75 miles away from Jerusalem. And now in Acts 24, Paul is brought before a guy named Felix, who was the governor of Caesarea. Basically, Paul is put on trial again. On one side of the room, you have Governor Felix, a few of the guys from Acts 23 that wanted Paul dead, a lawyer named Tertullus, and Ananias, the high priest. He's the guy that had Paul slapped. On the other side of the room, we have Paul. In other words, Paul has no one on his side, so he has no defense, but he seems to be okay with that. Why? Because Paul has Jesus in him, And he himself is in Jesus, and Paul knows that there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus and who have Jesus in them. So even though Paul has no legal defense, he has heavenly defense. And that's why Paul is so calm in Acts chapter 24, where it says, Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. Okay, quick fact check. Tertullus is actually telling lies. History tells us that public order fell apart under Felix. The people of Caesarea would eventually beg Emperor Nero to remove Felix from his position, which he later did. Let's let Tertullus continue. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple 
So we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges that we are bringing against him. The other Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. Again, this is fake news. If anything, Paul was a troublemaker before he had Jesus inside. He was having people executed, sent to prison, destroying homes and whole communities in that process. But after Jesus was on his inside, people are being transformed. Communities of loving people are forming all over the country and good things are happening. But let's continue and note how, Paul, how, how calm Paul is. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have, you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city, and they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Now there's an interesting statement. I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Last week, Paul said his conscience was clear. Yet today, he says he strives to keep it clear. Which is it? Well, it's both. The moment you received Jesus, you were declared righteous. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But in the book of Philippians chapter 3, we're reminded to live up to what we have already obtained. Let's continue with Paul's calm defense in Acts 24. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found me in when I stood before the Sanhedrin unless it was the one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence, it is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and to permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here's an interesting thing that many people don't know about Governor Felix. He had actually once been a slave of the imperial family. However, the imperial family not only freed him, but made him the governor of Caesarea, a beautiful resort town on the coast of the Mediterranean. The, Paul, the problem is Felix never learned to live as a free man. A Roman historian once wrote about Felix saying, he exercised the power of a king in the spirit of a slave. Let's finish the chapter. As Paul talked about righteousness, 
self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe, so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. I love the irony in this story. The one who should feel small and fearful is Paul. He's in prison with no visible defense, and lots of people want him dead. In contrast, the one who should feel happy is Felix. In fact, the name Felix literally means happy, which should fit. Felix is no longer a slave. He's a free man with everything a guy could ever want. Yet, as Paul speaks of righteousness, self-control, and judgment, Paul feels Felix are happy, while Felix feels very Paul or very small. Why? Because Felix still has the mind of a slave, someone who could be accused and executed with no trial and no defense. In contrast, Paul has the mind of a son who knows that the King of Heaven is always there to defend him. You see, Paul made three big discoveries about the Jesus in him being his defender. Remember those three words that made Felix nervous? Righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come? These are the exact areas where Paul discovered Jesus is his defender. Here's Paul's first discovery. One, Jesus in me makes me righteous. The simple definition of righteous is doing what God requires. And that would be fine if we could do it, but we can't. Maybe we can be okay for a few minutes, but we only have to blow it once to become unrighteous. You know, how many lies does it take to be a liar? How many stolen items does it take to be a thief? How many mistakes can I make before I'm considered unrighteous? One. So since we cannot perfectly do what God requires, we are by definition unrighteous. Governor Felix understood this and it scared him. He still had the mind of a slave. Paul is different, and you are different if you have Jesus in you. Romans tells us, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. What does Abba, Father do for His children? Through Jesus' death, He fulfills every righteous requirement on your behalf. So when the topic of righteousness comes up, I don't have to feel afraid. I can feel confident, free, and blessed, just as the Apostle Paul did. Here's the second discovery Paul made about Jesus being his defender. Jesus in me gives me self-control. History says Governor Felix spoiled himself with every luxury he could dream of. He governed like a king with the heart of a slave. He had zero self-control. Now, you might not be as reckless as Felix was, but if you're like me, you struggle with self-control. Just put some chocolate cookies in front of me and you'll see how little self-control I have. But more serious than that, we can all easily entertain more serious sins, anger, jealousy, lust, revenge. And if I have the mind of a slave rather than a son and someone starts talking about self-control, I'm going to feel guilty and afraid just like Governor Felix did. Remember when Felix said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. He was feeling guilty. How about you? Are you a Felix or a Paul? A slave or a son? What do you do when the Holy Spirit starts talking to you about the issues in your life? A slave says, that's enough. 
you may leave, but a son cries out, Daddy, I need your help. Just like Peter did when he was walking on the water toward Jesus. The Bible tells us in Matthew 14, Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. This is a picture of the struggles we have with self-control. The last thing we'd want to do is send away our help. How foolish is that? Peter would have drowned if he told Jesus to go away. No, when we're in the middle of a struggle, we reach out to Jesus. And as we do, he grabs our hand and we discover that Jesus in us gives us the self-control we need. But we have to reach out. Don't run away in fear. Reach out in faith. Now here's the third discovery Paul made. Jesus in me readies me for judgment. The last two chapters we've looked at in Acts are courtroom scenes. In Acts 23, Paul is before the Sanhedrin. It's a courtroom of his peers and his colleagues. They want to kill him and put him away for life. Or put him away for life. In Acts 24, he's with Governor Felix. The room is again full of people who want Paul dead or imprisoned. Now think about this. One day, we too will find ourselves in a courtroom. But we don't have to worry. The Bible says in Romans or in Hebrews chapter 9, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Have you made the discovery that Jesus in you readies you for judgment? I hope you have. We started with the question, what does it mean to have Jesus as my defender? And we've answered that question with three discoveries. One, Jesus in me makes me righteous. I'm not cleaning myself up so Jesus will maybe move in. Jesus moves in by faith and he cooperates with me to make me clean and righteous. Two, Jesus in me gives me self-control. I'm not depending on sheer willpower to live my life. Instead, Jesus in me is teaching me how to say no to ungodliness and slave-minded thinking. Three, Jesus in me readies me for judgment. We will stand before God on judgment day, but with Jesus in us, in me, in you, we have no fear. Thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and visit us online at belay.church or on social media at Belay Church. Let's reach higher heights and help others do the same.